Well, hello there, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I am delighted that you are here for another episode of Story You Talk Radio. And today, I think you know that I just love to hold office hours. We're going to do that today because this is that time, if you're listening live, when we're in that post-New Year resolution. Is it going right? I thought it'd go this way. It's not going this way. Why'd it go that way? You know, that talk. So it's time for some office hours. I was a writing instructor for many years at a college, and I'll tell you, one of my favorite parts about being an instructor is that you had this time of day where your office door is wide open, all your students know it, and if they have a question, they come by and they work with you. And granted, 50% of the students or more were terrified by the idea, but those that thought, you know what, I could go and get some quality one-on-one time with my teacher and she might not yell at me and it Just amazing times to be with people. So I got a lot out of office hours and I've decided that that's just something I want to continue with this show. I want to bring you a time where you can focus on whatever your question is that you want some one-on-one help with. You can call in and offer the question or you can write to my email address. So the phone number is 1-888-298-5569. That's 1-888-298-5569. Then also I have email, and that's debbie at coachdebbie.com. And just so you know, Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. So once again, it's Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. Either way, I will get that during the show. But I've already got a couple of people that wrote in. I took one letter that actually came in right before the new year. And I have another one that just came in this week. So I've got two. I've got two questions for office hours that I think are really going to speak to the people listening today. But more than anything, they're concepts that can fly under the radar. So the first concept we're going to talk about is this whole notion of imposter syndrome. And I was having a conversation not very long ago with a friend and he was he was sharing imposter syndrome and I was sitting there going, you know, I really don't feel that way. You know, I don't feel that way about hosting my show. I don't feel that way about teaching a class. But then I thought, I know I did. I I know there was a time, especially when I was going through the new coaching, life coaching certification. I know as soon as I was done with that, I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? How How is it that I thought I could be a coach? 
Um, but I I didn't really have readily available to me the the talk that used to go on and on in my head. But you know what I do have? I have journals. <laughs> and they're loaded with all the worries and crazy thinking of doing something new. That's usually when imposter syndrome hits any of us. So I went back in there and went, oh, yeah, okay. This is how it feels. It's daunting. It's, you know, the thing about imposter syndrome is you believe it's true. That's that's why it's got such a grip on you. And I, I'm thinking this is a term that everybody's heard at this point, but just in case you haven't, imposter syndrome is when you've got, you've got an idea, you've got a talent, you've got something you want to express out in the world, but there's a voice in your head saying, no, you'll never make it. You can't do it. You will be mortified if you even try The sad thing about imposter syndrome is when we hear those thoughts in our head, we think they're true and they're not. They're lies. But I'm going to explain to you today how it happens, why it happens, how you get out of it and all of that. And I want to thank Susan for writing in so that we'd have this great question to work with. First, though, I want to tell you that I have a book launch coming up with one of my favorite authors, Becky Gibbler. This is her second book. Now, we repurposed an encore show for you last week around uh, thriving after loss. So if you haven't heard that, I really want you to Go back and take a look at January 11, Thriving After Loss. We also, uh, Becky and I, sat, had a conversation. We also were getting you ready because if you're in the local Seattle area, you might like to come to the book launch. It's completely free. And it's at the third place books in the Lake Forest Park neighborhood. Third Place Books, Lake Forest Park. So just go to the thirdplacebooks.com website. I I think it's actually Third Place Bookstore. Mm. Uh, Go to their website, click on events. We are the Lake Forest Park location. And you'll see February 1st, Coach Debbie is going to interview second-time author Becky Gibbler on her book, Wherever the Road. And this is an extraordinary book that compiles her really stellar quality photographs of nature while she was on a 55-day solo trip. And she was really rediscovering herself But she was also, in a way, open to recreating herself after losing her partner of 19 years. It didn't come immediately after the loss at all. But it came at a point in time where she knew she had grieved quite a bit. 
She was wanting some inertia again to feel alive, to feel free, to be able to make choices. And she took herself on the road for 55 days, covered several states, great adventures, and we're going to talk all about it at the book launch. It is a free event, but you do need to RSVP so that we situate the event in the bookstore uh, in either the smaller, more intimate place or the bigger, expansive place, all of that. We just need to be ready for you, basically. So go ahead and RSVP, and I would love to meet you there. And Becky would love to sign your book um, if you choose to buy a copy. And again, it's called Wherever the Road. We will have copies available at the book launch, uh, but you're also welcome if you are a member a subscriber is the word I wanted. If you're a subscriber to my newsletter, you will see there are links in the newsletter where you can click and order and have the book delivered right to your home. All righty. I hope to see you there. That is February 1st, third place books. That is Shoreline, Washington, but the bookstore location is called Lake Forest Park. So let's get back to our our uh, office hours here. What I want to share with you is that imposter syndrome happens when you are new and it is normal, okay? It is normal. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean that uh, you missed something in the curriculum you were studying. And if you had just been a better student, you wouldn't be going through imposter syndrome. It's not that at all. Imposter syndrome comes from your ego trying to just make sure that you don't make a fool of yourself, that you don't mortify yourself, scare yourself, knock yourself out in some way. It It's a mechanism of keeping you down just a little bit longer because the ego's thinking there's a more perfect version of you. And if it can just convince you you're an imposter, then you won't take that risk. You won't take that next dare. So when Susan wrote to me, Susan is someone I have worked with a few different times on a few different projects. She is an excellent writer. But like any of us, when you're doing something new, it's normal. It's normal to feel the imposter syndrome. So she wrote in and she said, as you know, this project I want to work on with you will be my first full-length book. I wish there was a way I could write my first book and then move straight on to my second one before I will think so much better than my first. I'm sorry, because I think it will be so much better than my first. I just want to do the first book and have people love it. If people tell me I'm no good, that's going to be the end of me, Debbie. (laughs) 
I do appreciate you for validating me and saying that you like my ideas for the book. But again, what if I make the big public mistake? What if I start working on this manuscript and I just become racked with fear again, like the olden days when I first started that very first blog? Okay, so here, Susan, who has experienced not only putting together maybe, oh gosh, maybe it was four or five years ago that she and I worked on her first blog for her business. Maybe it was two years ago that we worked on her second blog that was more for fun and hobby and fitness, something she's very, very committed to. But now she's got an idea for a full-length book. And I thought it was funny how she said, um, she said it in the very beginning here. Where was it? I wish there was a way I could write my first book and then move straight on to my second one because I think it will be so much better than my first I just don't want to do the first book and have everyone tell me it's no good. Okay, so right away when I read this, and I I do know Susan pretty well, my first thought was that in situations like these, I I tend to think of the lovers and how, you know, two lovers, they've just met, and they think the other person is absolutely unlike anyone else in the whole world. They're all caught up in the new, the just how did I attract this beautiful person? And they swoon in delight and they they imagine that this has got to be my soulmate. Um, people kind of do the same thing with books They think they have to get that first bad relationship out of the way so they can go on and be all fixed up and all pretty and all magnetic and then Miss or Mr. Soulmate will appear. And we project these certain ideals onto our lovers and and we project ideals onto our book. So many of us think that that very first relationship I did or that very first draft of a book I did was just yucky. And all I want to do is get on to the next groovy thing because now I know so much more. But really, I think the key here is to ask yourself, who's doing the talking? You know, who's filling up your head with ideas. And my hope is that you can solve the mystery right here and just call it out. It's your ego. The whole job of your ego is to keep you looking good and feeling safe, even even if it costs you something huge, like never writing your first book. That's the job of the ego. It, it, the ego is not a bad thing, but it, 
it's that part of your subconscious mind that says, I have certain experiences in life. I have been hurt. I have been mortified. And I don't want to go through it anymore. Thank you very much. So the ego is on high alert. It's making sure that you don't look bad again. There is good news, though. And and that is that the ego doesn't have to write your book. <laughs> In fact, your ego has never written a book. And I think you need to know that your your ego isn't really your true voice. The the reason any of us could become scared really comes down to the fact that If we're not writing in our true voice, then we're adopting a voice that doesn't really represent us. And the ego is afraid. Who's going to go out there in public? Who's going to get published? What's going on here? The thing is, is that your true voice is always just that. It's always true. And how do you find it? You write from your heart. You write what moves you. And as you start to feel safe doing this, and especially as you you build up a daily habit of writing, even if it's just a little writing, or even if it's just... um even if it's just following like your coach's writing prompts, if you get into a daily habit of 20 minutes, let's say, of writing, you're going to start to hear that true voice all the time. It's going to become this faucet that you can't turn off. It's nothing like your ego. It's nothing like that voice of don't say that out loud. Don't say that in that group. Don't do that here. It's not that voice. It's the voice that's just you. It's friendly. It's kind. It's honorable. But it's not the part of you that shrinks up and thinks it isn't good enough. When you get into the habit of daily hearing from your true voice, it will be the prominent voice. It will be what fills you up and makes you happy. And I think you're going to want to share it. You're going to be so much more in touch with that voice that it'll just be natural for you to share it out in the world. So imposter syndrome happens. Ooh, Eric, I just noticed we went over the break time. So I'm going to take a break here in one second here. But just to wrap up before we go to break one, imposter syndrome happens because we're listening to the voice in our head that is on repeat. It's not our true voice. And we just need to foster some daily habits that'll get us more familiar with just saying what's on our heart. So I'm going to help you with this, but let's just take a quick break and we're going to come right back with more. Stay tuned. 
Did you know your writing coach, Coach Debbie, is also a master level life coach trained by Hay House author, Alan Cohen. She's offering free 30-minute consultations to anyone, not just writers, who are wanting to discuss a big stretchy life goal, which might include, how can I work on my bucket list? How can I better relate to my children, spouse, boss, or in-laws? What should I do about aging and feeling scared to be seen? How might I double my income fast? Email Coach Debbie at CoachDebbie.com slash connect for more information. And right now you can also enroll in Coach Debbie's April course, The Story Immersion. You'll receive eight pre-recorded classes throughout April that you can listen to on your own timeline. As a listener of the podcast, you qualify to save 50%. Simply email Coach Debbie by visiting CoachDebbie.com slash connect and get started on the life goal or writing project you've been dreaming about. Hey there, welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Really appreciate you coming along for the ride here. I have so much fun offering this show to you. I think many of you know that I was a writing instructor in the classroom every day. I later taught online, but man, oh man, the best part about being a writing instructor was being in that classroom with eager people that wanted to learn and even with the even with the ones that sat in the background and not the background, but the back row, and they tried to pretend that they weren't all that interested and they were only there because mom and dad were paying for it. But I knew, I knew there was a part in them that really, really, if they could start to feel confident about their voice and about writing, they might just move up to the second to the last row or they might just try something new, you know? We've been talking in the first half of the show about the idea of the the imposter syndrome. And it it really can come up when you're trying something new. They say uh, you need like 10,000 hours at something before you're an expert or a trusted voice. I'm, I'm not even sure how that saying even really goes. But it it is true that if you do something over and over and over again and you really love doing it, you know, like I I do enjoy writing. If you do something over and over again, it becomes second hat for you. It it's your nature to some extent. And you can forget about the early days of wondering if this is really going to work, if this is really going to take off, if if it's going to make the impact that you hope. For my students, the question was always, am I going to make the grade? That kind of was heartbreaking about teaching. How much pressure was put on students to get a good grade? It's possible that the pressure started at home with parents or it's possible it even started on television and how those ads, there's all kinds of ads that show you what it looks like to succeed in the world. And 
And then in education, what do we do? We follow suit by giving people grades. I always enjoyed having office hours. We're kind of calling the show today office hours, our post-resolution office hours, um, because office hours is a time where teacher and student can just get together, maybe have a coffee, and just just say, what's up? What's going on with you? And how how are you enjoying the content? And are you feeling like you're learning? Are you are you feeling like there's some questions? Was there something we read so far that you liked the best? I mean, we could get into that stuff. And then if the student was feeling comfy, then usually they would become a little vulnerable and say, but I am concerned about, and and it would come out, that thing that thing that they really actually needed some help on. It's natural to need help. It's natural to feel like you're an imposter trying to write or trying to speak in front of a group or do any of that if you're new to it. It's just natural. I was saying in the first half of the show that I knew there was a time when doing a podcast scared me to some extent. Um, But you got to remember, it was also on the heels of teaching for a lot of years. So I had been in front of people for a lot of years. But what I did was I went back to my journals and there it all was. All that stuff about, you know, being, um, being in front of a microphone and wondering, what happens if I cough or I sneeze or I hiccup? You know, what What happens if I drop something? What happens if I forget my words? Well, guess what? Those things happen all the time. <laughs> they happen all the time and you listen to them and you come back and you listen to me more. I've never, ever received a letter that said, Debbie, the fact that you got the hiccups during your show tells me that you're not a professional and I I won't be able to follow you anymore. I've never received that letter. But you know what? I I did have nightmares that I long since forgot about, but I, I put them in my journal. I had these nightmares that maybe I would get uncontrollable hiccups. And you know, but these are these are shows that have contracts and payments and all that stuff. So you don't want to just kill off the show because the host has the hiccups. I mean, what if somebody actually writes in and complains that I wasn't professional enough? I had those letters, um, not letters. I had those journal entries to myself and it was good for me to go back and to look at that. It was good to go back at those early days of being a life coach and only having one client, two clients and thinking, wow, can I, can I really do this? I mean, I know I'm certified, but I've only got a hundred hours. That means I've got 9,900 more hours to go (laughs) before I'm trusted, you know, and tell them, am I, am I going to be a 
a full-blown imposter. These are these are worries that the subconscious mind will ruminate over when you should be sleeping <laughs> or you should be enjoying yourself. Um, you should be having some time off, but the mind gets all cranked up on these imposter ideas. What should you do if you end up with an imposter idea? Well, the first thing is go running as fast as you can to a loved one. Tell someone, whether it be a, a teacher, a sweetheart, a sibling, a neighbor, best friend, tell them, gosh, guess what I've been thinking lately? I mean, just tell them the real story. Tell them, I've got this fear that on my new podcast, I'm going to get uncontrollable hiccups and it's going to start this thread of complaints. I mean, tell them so that your friend can say, sweetheart, that is ridiculous. <laughs> and as soon as they do, you might not immediately believe them. You might be so invested in the imposter thought that you cling to it just a little while longer. But here's what's going to help you realize that you chose that person to talk to because you trust them, you know, have your own office hours with that person. Talk to that trusted person and let them know the truth. Don't cover it up. Tell them exactly the silliness that's going on in your head. Now, now I know it might feel to you like it's actually on the way, but your friend's going to be able to identify right away. No, no, this is not what you're setting yourself up for. Go and do that new podcast. Maybe do it being you know, handheld with someone if you're really nervous, but don't say no to it. Don't say no just because you're worried that some nightmare you made up is the truth. Nightmares are never true. They're only nightmares. And you know when they go away? Huh? You know when they go away? The minute you wake up. And we do this all day long in real life. You might get hypnotized by a thought, but as soon as you wake up to what's true, it's gone. The nightmare goes away. It's almost like having a whiteboard. And Michael Neal, Michael Neal talks about this really well. Do you know the life coach, Michael Neal? In fact, I'm not sure that's his official title. Uh, N-E-I-L-L, -L, Michael Neal. I've taken some excellent classes from him. One was called Creating the Impossible. Excellent class. Uh, he's not sponsoring this, by the way. I just want you to know I'm, I'm recommending it because I really got a lot out of it. But he does this thing where he talks about the dragon story. And it's this whiteboard with the dragon on it and all the things that the dragon tells you while you're in a nightmare. And he finishes by letting you know 
As soon as you erase the whiteboard, the dragon's all gone. It's the equivalent of as soon as you wake up, the dragons are all gone, the nightmare's all gone. It was just a bad dream. That's what my mom used to always say. Oh, honey, it was just a bad dream. Do you have anyone in your world that can look at you and say, oh, sweetheart, that's just a bad dream. That's nothing more than a bad dream. I'll say it for you. I'll say it for you all day long because I have had one bad dream after another in my life. And yet they just don't come true. I used to have this terrible dream that was inspired by um, this skit from Saturday Night Live. Oh, I can't think of his name right now, but oh man, is he funny. And he does this skit of um, motivational speaking where he comes to a resident home and basically says, you know, you need to sign up for this. And if you don't, you're going to end up in a van down by the river. You've probably seen it. I can't impersonate it. But it is Chris Farley. That's his name. Chris Farley uh, did the skit. And I had such a strong and heavy Chris Varley van down by the river image in my mind. Oh, oh, just years of that, that if if I don't do well as a business owner, if I don't figure out the difference between education and business, I am going to go straight to the river and have to hope there's a van for me to crawl into and spend my last days. It felt true. It felt true. It was just a nightmare. And I had to get in front of people that said, oh, no, no, that's not even possible for you. That's never been possible for you. If it was, you'd already be camped out. It's not your future, Debbie. It's not where you're going. And it took a little bit of time, but I finally erased that whiteboard of terrible, terrible images. It was the imposter syndrome. I don't know if I can be a businesswoman. I know so much about education. What I had to realize was that there was a day many years before when I knew nothing about education. I learned. That's how it works. You learn and your friends don't let you end up in a van down by the river. They don't. They look after you. But the truth is you're probably not even close to ending up there. So no worries. There, there has to be people that can look at you in the eyes and remind you of what's true. Otherwise, you just might run that terrible, terrible story over and over again in your mind, and you just might believe it's true. So my friends, we're going to have to take one more little break, but what I want to get into when we come back is that you might think this imposter thing is the beginning and the end of all problems, but actually on the opposite side of the spectrum 
there is this thing called the fear of success. And it's a real thing. And we are going to get into talking about it. So hang out with me. We're just going to take a few minutes for a break and we're going to come right back. Did you know your riding coach, Coach Debbie, is also a master level life coach trained by Hay House author, Alan Cohen. She's offering free 30-minute consultations to anyone, not just riders, who are wanting to discuss a big stretchy life goal, which might include, how can I work on my bucket list? How can I better relate to my children, spouse, boss, or in-laws? What should I do about aging and feeling scared to be seen? How might I double my income fast? Email Coach Debbie at CoachDebbie.com slash connect for more information. And right now you can also enroll in Coach Debbie's April course, The Story Immersion. You'll receive eight pre-recorded classes throughout April that you can listen to on your own timeline. As a listener of the podcast, you qualify to save 50%. Simply email Coach Debbie by visiting CoachDebbie.com slash connect. And get started on the life goal or writing project you've been dreaming about. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm really delighted that you are joining me for this episode. We're looking at your post New Year's resolutions, and we're having office hours here because. Uh, you know, there's something about being in your second or your third or your fourth week after making a resolution and you're wondering why the heck you did it. Where's your progress? What made you even think this could be your new identity maybe or your your new project? What was making you think that this is how you wanted to start the new year? At the same time, you're probably having those thoughts because you're either going it alone or you do have some mentoring and some help, but when you are alone, you're not practiced on how to work with those thoughts. So I'm holding office hours today. And the whole idea was that you would bring me your thoughts and we'd work them out. I knew you might not call. Uh, it's, it's scary to call. It's scary to call a radio show and ask for help. So what I did was I went into my own private practice here. I am a life coach. Uh, I trained with Alan Cohen in Hawaii 12 years ago now. And, uh, in the last several weeks, uh, among the nine people that I am private coaching right now, there's been a lot of <laughs> a lot of letters pouring in. So what I did was I looked at the themes that I thought might affect most of the people most of the time. So the first part of the show, we talked a lot about imposter syndrome. But now I want to move on and talk about the fear of success. Because it's on the other end of the spectrum, but it's just as real. It's just as daunting. Um, I'm going to preface this 
with my own imposter syndrome here that uh, this show right now, this is my first show from home in at least six months. And the reason for that is that I haven't been, well, the reason that I do the show from the studio is that I love it. But the reason that I have made sure to get to the studio every week is that my veterinarian is on sabbatical and I've had her kitty living with me for the last six months. And we don't want to speak any terrible truth into this, but this kitty is so rambunctious. And she's a talker, she meows, she she flies like a monkey through the plants. Um, she is a lot of fun, but it it doesn't always make for good podcasting. So right at this moment, she is in my lap and I am petting her chin with the hope that she's going to be a good kitty kitty. But if you hear funny things, yeah, that's what we got going on over here. Meanwhile, I want to talk to you about the fear of success. Scott writes in and he said, I don't know if you ever get letters like this, but I need to talk to someone. I have an entire trilogy I've been working out in my head for literally years. If I just write it, I know it'll take off because I've tried out the idea on people who write way more than me, and they always tell me to go for it. So I've been thinking of hiring you to help me because I do have some time in the morning but then I stop myself and that is getting old. I keep thinking of the last time I got serious about my writing, but it started to break up my marriage. I mean, we eventually worked things out, but I don't ever want to go through that again. I don't blame her because all I did was work during the day and write until late in the evening. It wasn't her fault, but was I at fault? And how do you get a book out if you don't give it whatever time you've got? I mean, I know this trilogy could be a smash hit. I don't know where to start, though. And maybe I don't know how to start. What is this? Maybe I don't know how to start so that. My life doesn't fall in on me. I hope this makes sense and I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, Um, so when Scott wrote to me, and this is a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of talking to in the past, this is not his first book. Um, He's already compiled some short stories. He's given readings in public. But what he did not say out loud uh, is that he is fearing success. And it's possible that he doesn't know this. But when I read a letter like this, I, I don't see problems with starting at all. Not at all. And that, that's what he says at the end. You know, how do I get started? Maybe I don't know how to start so that my life doesn't fall in on me. And that's where the big giveaway is. I see the problem here as 
it's hard to accept that success is inevitable and that success is a wonderful thing and that it can be managed and it can be enjoyed even when we're fearing it. I'm not, I'm not reading this letter and hearing a fear of failure as a writer. I'm not hearing a fear of um, repeating a bad stint in the marriage, but I, I am hearing this idea that there's an insecurity that could somewhere in his life cause the cave-in to begin. And this is very, very real. You know you're dealing with, I don't mean real in that he's up against something real. I mean the feeling is very, very real. You you know you're dealing with a fear of success when it feels so heavy. You're worried that your world will fall in. And it, it usually takes shape because... You know, maybe maybe you have a job that's already heavy and you're thinking, gosh, if I'm successful in this other area of my life, I, I now won't be able to manage my job. Or maybe I have a really uh, high-stressed child that needs a lot of attending and you want to attend to the child. But if you're working on your book... What if everything falls in on the child? So what are we going to do to become successful if we're so worried that success is actually going to start to change the, the shape of our life and that our life will dramatically look different and all new to us? Most of us don't even know that this is the fear of success, the fear of your own experience becoming unmanageable. But like the imposter syndrome, the fear of success, again, it starts with the ego. And it's a different message. And the message is not that you're not good enough. The message is usually that your idea is so good, you're going to have to leave something behind and you're going to have to accept loss in order to have this thing that's so good. You see what I'm saying here? Most people that are worried about success they're very aware that if I really do take a huge leap in life, there's these things in my life that just aren't going to stack up anymore. They're just not going to work out the way I do them. They're going to cave in. And what will I do then? What will I do if the job that's already heavy starts to cave in on itself. What if I have to leave that job behind and in the middle of all my success, find another job? How am I going to manage that? The fear of success really is 
this fear that you're going to build something that you love so much that somehow you won't be able to handle the weight of that. And the only way to deal with the weight of that is to start to let things you're familiar with go. And that's big stuff, kids. Really big stuff. I can remember uh, I was I was doing a little mm, a short contract with a publishing company, and there was an offer to be. Uh, and I just want to say it was a small little uh, publishing company, little magazines, little local thing, startup, new, loved it, fun, but. I was one of just a few people that they were grooming for chief of staff and um, chief. Yeah. (laughs) Did I say chief and staff (laughs) editor in chief, not chief of staff editor in chief. That's hilarious. Um, I was one of just a few, but here's the funny thing. My mind While I thought, you know, I'm in training to be a life coach. I thought I was going to go into life coaching. But this, this opportunity over here, this thing, um, this could take off. This could happen fast. And I have more experience as an editor and a reader. And I think I could be good at this. What I, what I didn't realize was that if I said yes to that, I would be doing it because it was more comfortable than saying yes to something new. I, I was in training to become a life coach. I was making a big investment to become a life coach. I didn't want it to fall in on me, but in order, here's the here's the tricky thing. In order to become a life coach, I did have to let some playing small ideas go because there was no way I was going to be able to take on this new business and keep some of the small ideas in my life. But if I became the editor-in-chief, now there, I was a little more comfortable. I was a little more routine. I didn't need to be groomed for a brand new job. And I could keep some of my old ways of being. One was, I was just, I was going to say a terrible night owl, but I I don't want to put the word terrible with it. I think what I mean was I was a chronic, that's the word I want. I was a chronic night owl. I wasn't getting to bed ever before midnight, often not till two, even though I often had to be up at six, seven o'clock. I just had this thing with the nighttime. I liked it a lot. So I knew being a life coach, you're going to have to make a lot of changes in your life, healthy changes in your life. You're going to have to let the part of your life that doesn't stack up go. It's going to have to go. 
but you know how to be an editor. You've been an editor in chief for a student magazine for many years. If you were chosen for this new startup, you'd probably be able to keep some of your lousy habits and do all right. The fear of success would go away. Now, honestly, this is the first situation I thought of when Scott's letter came in, because I don't know all the details of Scott's life. He did say that he went through a real hard time with his marriage the last time he was really, really involved with his writing, and they could be related. They might not be. I don't know what kind of job he has. I don't know if he has children. Don't know him well enough to know these things, but I do know. A good bit about his writing, and he is accomplished. And if he has a new idea for a trilogy, it's gonna work. It's gonna go. So, what is he dealing with? The fear of success. How do you deal with it? Just like the imposter syndrome, you get honest. You tell someone that it that matters to you. I really want this to take off, but I'm afraid of things caving in on me. And you you build those friendships around you because they're going to reflect back to you how beautiful success can be, and how much you really want it, and how you can find ways to let things go thoughtfully, slowly. Really, thoughtfully, if you must. If you need some coaching help with the fear of success, the fear of failure, the fear that you're an imposter, I am a certified master life coach. We could do this in one session or several sessions. You can always find me at coachdebbie.com. Just click on connect and send me a letter. That's D E B B Y, CoachDebbie.com. I bring you a new topic every week, my friends. And until next week, Namaste. 